His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's been a culinary pioneer for over two decades and now he's invited us all along with him on his adventures to the centre of food. My name's Jay Taylor. I've been Heston's TV producer for many years and I'm now your host as we take this journey with him. And on today's show, some like it hot. From jalapenos to serranos, ghosts to the Carolina Reaper. Today we are getting our hit of heat from chilies, delving deep inside our hot addictions to discover their secrets. So without further ado, let's meet the man who always comes with a spice warning, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, Heston. (laughs) (laughs) Nice intro, Jay. How are you? (laughs) I am very well. I am very well. And James, always here to keep us on the right side of facts. How are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Very good. Enjoyed your intro. That's one of your finest intros, I think. I oh, think thank you. It, it seemed very velvet-like, and very um, <laughs> built on. It's like an overnight success that took twenty-five years. Or whatever, so I'm never sure whether you should. You're better at this than me, but whether you should be speaking down like this or whether we should just be speaking normally. I'm never quite. You got it. Your when you do your truckers. Hello there, truckers. Voice. Well, certainly, I, when I look at um, the TV stuff I've done over the years, when I look back at my early day voiceovers, I sound like a really, really poor imitation of the late great Murray Walker next we changed you know, the tone of your voice remember we did that once because yeah. you were very high and we actually tweaked really it yeah and then and but the more you say throw it away there's that phrase, throw it away don't think about it well if you tell someone to throw something away they pick it up <laughs> so don't think of a pink elephant <laughs> and the other <laughs> thing <laughs> I was thinking about with uh, with TV that the, the how many times where I'm standing in front of you, standing behind the camera with a crew, I put something in my mouth and then I look, look up, this is sort of, you know, I look up 10 to, 10, 10 to 2 or 5 to 2 or whatever, or to the left, to the right. And you, there's so many things going through my head and all you want me to say <laughs> is some TV magic, which is just bog standard Mmm, delicious. Or exactly, is it that, that hard? TV Just food, mmm, delicious. <laughs> this was a chili show we went to film in um, in Washington, which is one of the biggest two chili competition cook-offs in the States. And I remember this, I asked them about, explain that they're, they're chili. And the person cooking said, well, I'll do this because it rounds it all up and smooths it all out and you think well, what on earth does that mean <laughs> it sounds fine okay I'll, I'll take that fine but what does it mean Ooh, I don't really know that's what Americans are so brilliant if you bump into an American on the street they're fantastic to film with because they always give you sound bites in, in very short form and, and it doesn't make much sense but it's perfect because it's in, said in 10 seconds and well, quite they, they, yeah because if, if you remember strap lines or punch lines from sort of mega movies you know, inter- in Independence Day and stuff like that, just come out with a one-liner. That's it. God, done. Next. In the fat duck, nobody can hear you scream. <laughs> nobody can hear you flambe. <laughs> this autumn. Coming soon. That was always, that was always, of all the, t- all the filming we did, the thing you hated and struggled with the most was the, the VO afterwards. It was always tricky because you're suddenly standing in a soundproof room Everybody's staring at you through the glass going, just read this, would you? I'll make it natural, but not too natural. Not too fast, but not too slow. High, but a bit low as well. And go. (laughs) Yeah, then throw it away. (laughs) And throw it away. Then pick it up and throw it away again. (laughs) Um, So today we are going to be delving into the world of chilies. But before that, I wanted to just ask you, talking about 
chilies and, and hot food memories. I was, when we were thinking about this, I started thinking about my earliest sort of curry house memories. And I was curious when you first are aware of being introduced to curry or any kind of spicy food. Great question. And funny enough, it sounds like we've rehearsed this, but I'm not, I don't know. No chance. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever asked me this question before. And I've instantly, I can remember, specifically, oh. I can't remember the date, I was some, somewhere between 9 and 12. I know because we moved out of London. And it was Wickham Curry House. Then, at those days, it had that sort of, like, paisley carpets on the walls. And there was the classic Indian music. And water in those sort of old school jugs they're kind of dented copper metal jugs and then they'd be yeah. the, what are those warming the warming trays they'd put on the oh with um, candles the, in them i don't um i don't know if they were candles or you just put them in, in you might have put the plates in the oven and then take taken them out with a clock with the they had like black handles on them i know the ones. side um, I remember that, and also my introduction. I think this was in those days. Interesting to see what it up that now. There's, here's an interesting thing. Well, for me anyway, what is today's child's introduction to curry? Because in my day, it was chicken korma. Because yeah. it was the mildest thing, and also lots of curry houses. I think served. You could have things like fish and chips. Of course, didn't yeah? It's always on the side, wasn't it? You could have the British dishes as well. Yeah. Yes, you could. I, yeah. Although I think it is. I mean, my kids are youngish, and we introduced them through butter chicken and korma. But I think one of the big differences is the age. They were having it when they were four. When I was, I didn't have it till I was sixteen, seventeen. I don't know about your kids, James, whether when when they were introduced to it. Quite early, earlier than I was. I certainly, I remember. I don't think I went to a curry house or an Indian, any kind of Indian restaurant until I was like had my own money to spend in it. I don't. My parents never took us to one, but they used to cook. They were quite worldly, gastronomically wise. As as far as Delia took them, they would cook whatever. So we we would occasionally have this kind of curry, which I. Would always come with little chopped up bits of banana and peanuts and a little pot yes. of yogurt at the table. Oh, I remember the chopped up I remember banana. The sliced banana, sliced banana. Yeah, yeah. my mum so, did that as well. Why? So I, Mince I might, well, I imagine, I imagine Delia did it. <laughs> I can only imagine probably, that. Way. I mean, I know that you know if you if uh, I know this is well, we're moving into chili, but it, when you. If the one thing you don't do if you've eaten a chili that's too hot for you is drink water to cool yourself down because it just it, it just activates the the discomfort even more. So I think any fat, cream, milk, yogurt um, helps, and maybe the starches. I wonder if the banana hmm. helps um, soothing the chili. I don't know. Although I'm sure the banana, I'm sure the chili in question accompanying the banana wasn't that hot. I don't know. No, and, and later in life now, as I've looked into these things, I've come across something which is, is basically called the, like, the captain's curry. And a lot of these curry recipes would, wouldn't come out of India in a kind of way that we might expect them to today. You know, um, they actually used to come out of the, the, the ships that were trading between here and, and India and all, traveling all over the world. And the captain would be prepared a dish which would have curry flavors and obviously would have other ingredients on board too from their various travels. And they would put together this dish that was kind of, it's spicy, but wasn't neither Indian nor English. It was just. But James, I, I thought 
I thought the captain's table was always. I thought fish fingers were served. Fish fingers, obviously. That's what the captain's table. You've just captain broken. Captain I invented to oh the curry. Oh my word! You just shattered my whole <laughs> last fifty years of my life. As he's digging into his fish fingers, if it, if you panned a little bit left, there would be a nice array of chutneys <laughs> and chopped uh, <laughs> banana. Actually, we, we've got to do uh, curries. Uh, we've got to do a curry podcast. We yeah, we'll do, do a, a special curry. curry. We'll do a special rich. curry podcast. Well, that's what's interesting because when 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 we said chili, my immediate point of reference to go back and, and recap over the Hessian's journey was all about the chili con carne. Was about the, the chili, but obviously, you know, it also takes us to to a completely different place in the world too. This chili, the chili is an incredibly well travelled ingredient, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the wonderful thing about it. I'm just going to quickly pause right here because I want to tell you about something really cool. As you know, on this podcast, we are really into our multi-sensory experiences. And we've just partnered up with a new sponsor who have got a fantastic multi-sensory experience for you to enjoy. It is Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds, The Immersive Experience. That's right, the musical that we all remember from kids. Well, The Immersive Experience is a new, completely unique, award-winning event where live actors, virtual reality and sensational 5D effects place you inside the action with Jeff Wayne's multi-platinum musical version of The War of the Worlds as your soundtrack. You'll feel all your senses fired as you crawl, slide and weave your way through 22,000 square feet of immersive action, featuring 24 extraordinary scenes from the sighting of the first capsule to the arrival of the 300-foot Martian fighting machines and the evacuation of London. It features a cast of 17 characters, featuring 12 live actors, plus a mix of holograms, projections and VR. And it's been voted London's favourite immersive night out. It reopens this summer from the 22nd of May till the 30th of October, and it's been fully covid protocoled. You go around in small groups and it feels like the most amazing thing to do, having been cooped up inside our homes for so long, to step through Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds immersive experience. And the great news is, with this podcast and a special code, you can get a discount on your ticket prices. You can get £10 off all orders Orders over £180 and 5% off orders under £180 with the code HESTON. All you have to do is visit the website thewaroftheworldsimmersive.com and simply enter the code HESTON at checkout. That's thewaroftheworldsimmersive.com and enter the code HESTON when you check out. And you soon could be diving headfirst into the War of the Worlds immersive experience. Right, let's get back to some chilies. Going back to my, my, my curry house, I also remember going back to, I think it's now where the law courts are um, in, in Wickham. I think they knocked it down and put the law courts there. Now, I don't know if there's any connection between curry, a curry night, lads curry night, hot chilli, <laughs> loads of beer and uh, jail. Uh, but <laughs> the, I, do, I do remember going there with, with, um, with my mates. Um, I must have been late teens, early 20s. And is that, why, what is it about this macho side of chilli? People saying, oh, I love hot chillies. I love, make a big thing about how hot they want their chilli. And everyone's got different um, pain threshold tolerances for all different types of pain and discomfort. And I remember the, the one bet, somebody said, okay, it, it was like 10 quid for somebody that could eat a couple of tablespoons of chicken fowl, it was called. And chicken fowl was this, curry that most curry houses didn't put on the menu because you wouldn't really want to order it it was basically puree chilies i remember i remember 
the taxi drive home being doubled up in the car. And it was several decades later, thanks to a certain Mr. JT, <laughs> Director Pants Taylor, that I was to, I was to experience another bent over <laughs> double for a period of time after consuming a chili. That was a deeply unpleasant experience, wasn't it? Trying, I can't, what was that for the curry episode? Was it we went to try the we hottest went, chilies? Yeah, it was. A, it was in Reading. I think it was a Naga, because I think the, the, there were two chilies, a Naga and another, someone like Devil's Penis or something. That was it. Had a weird there name. Was didn't one, it? Yeah. There was yeah. one called Devil's Penis. Yeah. And they fought for the. For the it was like competition for the, who was the hottest. Well, obviously, every chili can have a even the same within the same breed you can have some much hotter than others and so i remember standing in this sort of farm shop of this chili farm in reading again you behind the camera obviously and, I, and <laughs> we, we went through a range of chilies the naga being was just waiting for us we've gone through the scotch bonnets and all the others and i went straight to this oh, mr clever clogs so i took a big i took a bite it's this sort of it looks a bit like... It was like a, slow motion. I was like, what? I was no, don't take a massive oh, bite. What are you I doing? instantly got overwhelmed with this discomfort, spiky, sharp pain of chilli. And then it just got hotter and hotter. Just when I thought things couldn't get hotter, it got hotter and continued to get hotter. My spectacles were sweating on their own. And then... And you were drinking I, milk. We had everything on standby as well to, oh, to try and... I had got goosebumps on my, the sort of hairs on the back of my neck stood up and it was almost like I was having some funny out of body experience. My legs went weak, uh, went a bit dizzy. And then like 20 minutes after, you remember we were standing outside one of the, one of the, um, the, the, the plastic, you know, the grow tents for the chili and you wanted me to do a piece of piece to camera, but I could not stand up. Yeah. I was bent double from the pain from this chili and we got back to the development kitchen in Bray, carrying on with development and the researcher for the, for the show, uh, or the, our chili expert, I remember having a conversation with him and he said to me, Oh, hang on a second, one second. And there was a little bit of rustling and fumbling in the background. And he said, Oh, so I'm just having my catheter changed. And I said, what, what do you <laughs> I mean? I mean, he was in hospital. He ate too many naga chilies, and he reckons it, it basically wore the wore his, put through his stomach lining. Thanks for telling us now. I, so. <laughs> I we we tried myself and the Sandman tried those along with you. Not the same massive bite you took watching your experience, and it was. I almost felt like I was hallucinating because everything started to go a bit wobbly in front of my yeah, eyes. Yeah, the same. I had was, the same feeling. It was so it was, and it was. It's quite scary because that feeling of the heat continuing to grow and grow and grow and there's nothing you can do about it. And you start doing that breathing. Like, oh, 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 as, uh, yeah. Your body doesn't really have a, a mechanism to cope. I was Googling earlier what the um, hottest chili is at the moment and it's called the Carolina Reaper has just taken over as the hottest. And someone has asked on your line of, way lads, yeah. how much do you have to eat before you die? And apparently three pounds will kill you. If you eat three pounds of Carolina Reapers, which I, I mean, if you're eating that much of poisonous oh, yeah, i mean if, if it was apples you could do it you could do it in five minutes however three <laughs> all i know I, that, isn't that that's I, I did have a look actually isn't that about two million it's it, 1.6 million on the scoville, on the Co scoville. yeah and oh, that's the heat Reaper. that's the heat one right that's the yeah. heat scale for chili hours was the one six million just, just, just we say that again 1. <laughs> 1. i think that was 1.3 well i'm just looking Although, here at yeah 
Yeah, just to give you a point of reference, though, just before you go, just to give you a point of reference, the kind of bell pepper, bell chili, the kind of entry level is zero to six hundred. What's a, what's a Scotch point six million? Scotch what's a Scotch bonnet? Oh, um, well, anywhere between eighty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. So this is okay, ten so, times the strength. So the naga that you and I had, James, I think was meant was round about one point two, one point three. Yes, uh, I've never. I, right, uh, I have had something hotter, but I had such a tiny, tiny amount. I've remembered. I just remember now. We had. Um, I well, I've did some before. Before years before my partnership with Waitrose, I did some um, behind the scenes development work with M and S, and and I got paid a bit of money for it. And I thought I, my motivation for doing it was to be able to have like a porter cabin in the back in the backyard in the dark, which was a lab, so it was a kitchen, porter kitchen, which we then had to take down. So that was all my money, <laughs> my money for my research work. <laughs> However, for a period of time, we had this quite cool little kitchen in in the dark. And there was one of the big uh, German, top German magazines was doing an interview with me. And this woman, very nice woman, she came to Bray. And I was showing her the fridge we had with these aroma molecules. And she, one of them, the bottle was in the wrong, it was capsaicin. And she had a little thing, licked her finger with capsaicin and thought she was going to have to go to hospital. Now, capsaicin is is on the way. How much on the on the Scoville scale? Cap, what does capsaicin weigh in at? Yeah, what's pure? Ca- that's the that's the thing within that's the me- everything's measured against. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, let me let me let me have a look because obviously that's the compound that, that reacts in that, this way. How it yeah. how it's measured and, and and the Scoville, I don't know. So let me have a give me a minute. Apparently, only mammals are sensitive to it, though. Birds aren't. Birds don't care. That's how they spread the seeds. But only mammals seem to have the sensitivity to the spice. Ah, is it? I wonder how much of that is trigeminal nerve. Well, James, James has got a bit of a list, actually. More <laughs> <laughs> ready to look on. at. Because um, the trigeminal nerve is the nerve that runs across the cheeks and the bridge of the nose. So when we have mustard and horseradish and wasabi, that triggers trigeminal nerve. I, I got a feeling that might be the same thing with, with chili. So I don't know if just mammals have a trigeminal nerve. And how that's connected to the um, vagus nerve at the back of the neck. Anyway, that's an, I'm going off on a completely a tangent, which hasn't isn't necessarily a tangent, and it will connect <laughs> to our body's defence mechanism and a response to capsaicin. It's like choose your own adventure. Anyone out there, turn to page four if you want to find out what happens next. Apparently, some peppers are hot enough to burn through gloves. The Trinidad Morgo Scorpion, the second hottest in the world. Uh, the capsaicin levels are so high it soaks through the harvester's latex gloves on their hands. But I don't really understand that because it doesn't. It's not really burning through the gloves, is it? It's what? sort of just soaking through them. But yeah, apparently the taste is like we sort of spoke about something that builds and builds until it's unbearable. Which I think is probably a good way of describing our experience with them as well. Yeah. Just to, just to finish off, then this is a, this is a very very literally top of a Google search page when you look this up um, so I'm not I think it's Wikipedia but capsaicin here Scoville heat units it says 16 million (laughs) (laughs) that woman put a finger of it in her mouth as well my word Jay you and I are so pathetic (laughs) we're pathetic we're not macho men you can go up to 16 million. Keep your files. 16 and your... <laughs> million. That's unbelievable. But it's not the hottest thing here. There's a, there's a chemical here called resin. I can't pronounce it. Resiniferatoxin, which I guess is probably a very oh deadly God, that compound. Sounds, that just sounds... Naturally sounds... occurring chemical found in resin spurge, a cactus-like plant commonly found in Morocco. That has 
I don't even know how many. How many? What do you call a number with nine zeros after it? Very big. Uh, uh, million. So if Capsaicin's got trillion? six six oh, zeros after a sixteen, this one's got nine zeros. Is it trillion? That's trillion. Is it trillion? Well, maybe someone. But one of our lovely listeners can correct us in a, in yeah. a comment with what, only two and a half. What we can say it's got enough zeros to kill you with a spoonful. <laughs> we're ruining, we're ruining the impression that this is not pure science. You do realize uh, yeah. destroying all our credibility up to this point. <laughs> Yeah, um, we had so many so, Nobel Prizes that lined was, up, was, and they've all just gone out the window. Yeah, that's the moment we lost them. Um, so, Heston, talk us through your research that you've done into chilies over the years. I'm curious to know about your adventures with them. Well, some just just coming back to early, um, how would you say, um, adaptation or familiarisation with chilies we grew up. They have shown, and those are the people that actually do do the. Um, you know, the, the hard-nosed, the hard, uh, fully-respected scientific research, that chili is also passed through breast milk. So in, in, in countries that grow up on chili, the, babies already, the, the baby might, would have already got some of this through the amniotic fluid from the mother and then, then can recognize chili in breast milk. So they're sort of, they are, it's like training a finely honed warrior from it makes very sense though. My sister and my sister-in-law yeah, lives completely. in Mexico, and they, they, their kids just the chili they eat on just chocolates uh, is so strong that it, it makes our eyes yeah. water. Even though I've been drink, eating chilies for twenty years, and the kids are just eating it like you would sweets. It's over like most things that you adapt to it. And what when we did um, uh, James mentioned chili con carne, the in search of perfection series, which was which is the one before we got into the saddle to, together, so to speak, and. Um, wanted to know, you know, to talk about Mexico, there were certain prisons in South America that I think were a lot of the inmates were there because of drug related crimes. And um, they banned chili because of its um, addictive properties. And in fact, what happened was one of, we wanted to see what would happen when, um, in terms of a brain scanning, when tasting chili. And I just had a back operation. Uh, so I was actually barred. It sounds like I was making an excuse, but it would have been a good experience, although painful. But I was barred for, I couldn't go on to the, into the MRI scanner because of the, the metal in my back was so sort of fresh. So Ashley, who was the uh, head chef, my head chef, um, agreed. It wasn't, it, we, we did tell him. He did, he, he willingly maybe slightly nervously agreed to go into the MRI scanner and we had drip fed a little plastic tube and drip fed him chili oil. In fact, I think the Daily Mail at the time, somehow it got to the Daily Mail and they said that I had injected him <laughs> with was like evil, like a James Bond. Blumenthal injects chefs that, with yeah, chili. He killed somebody or potentially. Anyway, he was drip fed chili and then, we and then brain scanned and we did this with the my 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 mate brilliant brilliant professor francis mcglone who's been working on the sense of, of touch pain pain pleasure and what we discovered which actually did lead to some quite groundbreaking um discoveries on chili the reason why we love chili is not the pain because everyone's pain threshold is different we don't know, you know, from one person to another, from one chili to another. 
that it's the bit when you have a chili that's let's say it's too hot so the level of heat is 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 just uncomfortable and you think at that time you think why would anybody like this then it starts to dissipate with time and it dissipates in addition to it dissipating the body the defense mechanism so look at chili as adversity which is could be like being anxious or stressed is adversity our hormone system actually fights adversity potentially with things like releasing serotonins and dopamines and, and other such hormones so it triggers the release of these reward hormones which also help to fight back that is the response to the chili and there is a moment and everyone's moment is different and everyone's moment will be different almost on a daily or hourly basis depending on so many other things that, that, but that's it, that moment in time there will be a moment where it just drops below the when that where that oh my god why would anybody do this to this massive sense of ah oh, i'm still alive you and you you like come back from pain so when you a dripping tap you know when it stops, it's, we've talked about this before, you know, if you're dying of thirst and you have water or you need to go to the toilet so desperately, you're never going to appreciate going to the toilet. So the more pain you have, when it drops, you this rush, the endorphins take over. And that's that relative, your contrasting sense of relief is in fact what triggers the sort of the love for chili. So um, when you said it was addictive then, I was really surprised when you said about that prison thing and it being addictive. Do you, is that what you think people become addicted to? Is that dopamine fix? A bit like you do after you do vigorous exercise or something. It's that same, release same, of good hormones. Same thing. It's same like that's where a lot of drugs, you know, legal, whether they're pharmaceutical drugs or they're illegal drugs, a lot of them actually replace, they play around, suppress or enhance the body's production uh, of of certain hormones and the danger is with with some of these drugs is if 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 you if the brain or body thinks i've already got these i don't need to make them when you stop taking the drugs the brain has then fallen out of practice with making them so then then you want to go and take some more and that's a sort of one theory of the basis of addiction and and the, so the thing with them um, it really is that level of that level of of pain when it just when it dissipates now me when and when on that for that farm in reading it's a bit like my old man used to say to me if you bang your elbow and it hurts bang the other one harder and then you, and then then you then you you, you Such forget a dad the solution first, isn't it yeah so i <laughs> i can't when my memory of that naga chili we had in reading when that the pain in my head dissipated it was then replaced by this pain in my stomach, which then got replaced by a general, it, my body felt wiped out for the rest of the day. So I don't think I even got, now mind you, you said you felt, uh, had that slight hallucinogenic feeling. It, it, again, that would have been probably, possibly, your body producing so many uh, endorphins to, 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 to fight that attack of the effect of the chili you could have like a natural high but at the same time you're you're in pain i bet that's what it was actually that's a, so here so that leads me on to a question then when it comes to using it in in cooking and creating mm. dishes and foods yeah. knowing that everybody's levels are different and knowing that you're trying to aim for that well sometimes you're trying to aim for that sweet spot of relief how do you then figure out a way to best use it in cooking that can appeal especially in restaurant cooking to a, a variety of different people with different levels it, i mean the, there's several, there's several 
always to look at this and and there is an element of russian roulette to this so if you let's say you buy a chili in a supermarket and it gives you a you know let's say it's it's mild medium or hot and <clears throat> what i would generally do is have a little a taste but just a tiny little bit of the chili remember that nearly all the heat of the chili is in the pith in the white it's the white that, that the white veins in the inside of the chili and the seeds get covered in it, but it's actually mainly the pith. So have a bit of a taste of the, of the flesh and you can gauge the heat because sometimes some chilies, you, you, can cook the, you can cook some of this heat off. Dried chilies, if you throw dry, dry chilies, for example, in a hot pan, I remember filming in a um, chili market in, in a spice market in Delhi. And uh, sometimes you hear me clearing my throat. I've, got, I've had it since I was a kid. I've got a bit of esophagitis. And the chili in the air, it was these big sacks of dried chilies that had been sunbaked. And we're in this old, very old market that was sort of almost falling apart, but it did have roof on it. It was very hot and sweaty and humid. And this, the air was full of chili. And my God, I could not stop coughing like this tickly cough. Every time I tried to say, do a piece to camera, (coughs) (laughs) it was really, it was, it was really difficult. So careful. If you throw hot chilies into a pan, uh, uh, just be aware that if the pan is over a certain heat and there's a certain number of dried chilies, you might start coughing. Um, So there's that you've got the seeds and you've got the pith. You've got some chilies you will will get less less strong when you cook them. I also, I love, I adore the smell of fresh chili, certain fresh chilies. They're very, very fragrant. They're really fragrant. So if you want to capture the smell and the heat. So you've got to sort of, you've got to, you've got to play it by air. It's always also good to make a chili oil. So if you, if you want to, I mean, you, because you might be cooking for kids as well. So you can always have a little bit of chili or that you, know, you can add some more if you, if you want it hotter. Yeah, I love that. In the, in the, in the sort of Thai cooking is my favourite when it comes to sort of spicing and having, being able to have chili oil to add and sort of change your own levels. I've also done that thing before of being cooking chili spice and burnt it and then it gets in the air and i'm always yeah. amazed how long it lasts for as well yeah how long you're and how far it pervades when you're sort of all choking in the house you know sorry that was me yeah. everyone's coughing their guts up it's so it's such a a potent thing isn't it i was reading something about it apparently scientists believe the capsaicin in peppers exists to keep infestations of fungal a fungi at bay um, apparently insects like to Whoa. poke holes in the skins of the fruit um, and as a as a result the fungus can make its way in so to combat this uh, the peppers capsaicinoids can slow the growth of the microbes um, and because birds are immune to it it doesn't affect their appetite and the plant can still spread but it helps it puts I'll off tell you what, uh, fungus. The, f- uh, the, the, the the fungi world fungi mycelium the more i the more i learn about about um, this area of life the more unbelievable the things that they do in order to connect to other living things for their own survival it's quite incredible uh, and uh, we we're, we're going to have a i won't say too much but we're going to have a future podcast on this but amazing. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And they and, and apparently scientists have found that peppers growing in areas with lots of insects tend to be much spicier. 
than ones and bug free zones, which sort of helps helps back ah. up that theory. It's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Um, and the the history of the Chile, James. Well, I believe it's South America. Well, I think it's South America, isn't it? And Peru. I always think of if I was to be on Mastermind or a claim show ever, I'd be asked you where a certain ingredient came from. I had no idea. My guess would always be Peru. It appears to be the kind of. But obviously, it could be from Chile, of course. Um, <laughs> but you know, certainly South America seems to be where a lot of the, the bell peppers originate from, indigenously. Yes, and and, and various trading routes have, have taken them and infused them around the world. So they've gone off to India, to Japan, through China, and then they've all started to come back on itself, you know, and, and used in different ways. So it's it's incredibly well travelled. Do they? Do you know, James? If they because tomatoes are surprisingly recent in terms of their crossover from the medicinal world because they're deadly nightshade group into into the kitchen and i think it was something like mid 1600s that tomatoes started to be you think you think they went back to roman times but no that they were considered if they weren't used correctly they were considered poisonous and i wonder just did 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 the consumption of chili and the chili use of chili in cooking did that come into being around about the same time? Because I'm asking this whenever, I don't know about you guys, whenever you talk about Aztecs, I always think of really ancient times. But in fact, the Aztecs, we're talking what, 16, 1700. And for some reason, when you think about Aztec culture and architecture, you think it's going to go back to at least Egyptian times or, you know, or the, or the, or the Stoics, the ancient Greeks or... But no, it's relatively recent. It is, isn't it? We you think where we were in terms of advancement in China and places like that versus the Aztecs. It's funny, isn't it, when you tell those those parallel histories? Yeah. Historically and, and date-wise, I think there's been, there's I'm just seeing there's evidence of, of capsicum fruits being part of human diets for about 7,500 7, BC, I guess, in America. Oh, yeah, yeah America, but I mean... Archa- you're talking about spice roots and stuff yes i mean that's christopher columbus i mean that's 1492 isn't it or is he 1492 that was yeah so that's a very impressive sounding date so it must be right well that was for phil wasn't it (laughs) 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 and and also there's there was the the brits the portuguese as well were what's that name they name a lot of things after him in south africa actually um i have to remember his name big portuguese explorer cortez nope Oh, well, yeah. I know when you you say it, but I think... Montezuma. Well, there was Montezuma, and then there was another one. There wasn't one I was thinking of. But that's a theory that the movement of chocolate through through Portuguese coming through South America and then bringing chocolate back. I wonder if if, if it was a similar sort of pattern that brought chili. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the route. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they gathered all these things as they went pillaging around South America and just brought them back because they were... of first of all curiosity value and then obviously of high financial value when people started to realize how good they were to to add to their they must have been very bland food i can only imagine those back then <laughs> well what a revelation it must have been this one comes with all usual journey to the center of feud disclaimers please no responsibility held for the dubious science we use but apparently uh, a popular natural remedy is cayenne pepper to stop bleeding it can be sprinkled on the injury directly or diluted in water and soaked in a bandage. And apparently it helps equalise blood pressure. But again, of all of the things we want our listeners to experiment with, that's probably not one of them. 
but that's well turmeric certainly has that coagulation dog um, ability so if you do cut yourself in the kitchen you haven't got a plaster get for the jar of turmeric and just stick your finger in obviously it will stop the bleeding but your finger will be bright orange for about three months <laughs> <laughs> but it stained will, it, the marble in our kitchen the other day we had a marble so only managed to stain it with that stuff oh my god this stuff is incredible turmeric can just get anything yellow can't it it's amazing that, i mean that could be another another just another podcast i love the fact love if we get podcast ideas while doing a podcast maybe <laughs> so look at, there must be some incredible and incredibly bizarre cures for things you know that the, the and maybe some of these bizarre cures actually have their or- origins in something that makes sense but there was wasn't there something about if you had something either you took a piece of steak you did something with a piece of steak and then you buried it in the garden well, you put a steak on a, on a black eye, don't you? Isn't that? I know it's, but then I know you buried it in the garden. But I might, I might have added that bit. This is from Heston's better. upcoming cookbook. Yeah, but there could be some <laughs> interesting, interesting, um, you know, food re- ingredient related ailment cures. And and going back to tomatoes, you know, as I said, they they were they were very much very much used as as medicinal for medicinal purposes. Uh, as opposed to culinary purposes on that front please do uh, get in touch with all of your natural remedies and anything else you want to get in touch with is it's at heston's podcast on instagram and heston's podcast at gmail.com and please do subscribe and write nice things about us in the comments if you wouldn't mind because it does mean a lot and also helps all the various algorithms that do something fancy to us heston in terms of chilies and your use of them so you i know you've used them in the um the chili con carne famously but i remember a little while ago seeing you doing a dish i don't know if it ever made it onto the menu where you were offsetting you had uh, chilies and you were also playing around with menthol and you were looking to try and find ways to cross them over oh, that was so year, the, yeah that was years ago it was almost like making a hot cold thing so menthol has that has that cooling effect and chili has the heating effect and we played at different ways of making something hot and cold at the same time that was that was a long time ago actually um and i i do also Remember, before we run out of time, a couple of things I wanted to get in. One was the work that we did, again, on the Chili Con Carne show. Uh, I had discovered via an old Horizon program, which is called Derek Tastes of Earwax. And I came across this show I just by, by, um, by accident. It was a long time ago. Uh, and it was called, it was about synesthesia. So synesthesia is how you can, people can... Um, they they can uh, see letters as colours, or they can uh, see music, or they can smell sounds. You know, it's where two parts of the brain, the connections, are, get a bit stronger. It's a bit. There's an element of learned association to this. And there was a guy who had a pub somewhere near Birmingham, I think. And whenever uh, Derek came in, he said, "Hello, Derek," and he got the taste of earwax. And they got in the car with him and he was driving around and he had Solihull, a taste of uh, bacon sandwiches. And this guy, Jamie Ward, who wrote a, a, a really definitive book on synesthesia at the time, came and saw me. Uh, they, actually, this, this is just coincidentally around about the time of this program. He wondered if I could come at this from a different perspective, use my creativity. I, at the time, I didn't realize I was a synesthete. I'm a colorless synesthete. And um, I discovered this through the, actually through this, through making the show. Um, and he said, this guy, when you say Julie, he tasted strawberries. 
So I said, well, what happens if you give him a spoonful of cream and say, Julie, does he get strawberries and cream? Then I forgot about it. And I remember he's actually, <laughs> Jamie's written, um, he wrote one of the entries, the last third of the Fat Duck Cookbook is entries from scientists and researchers we've worked with and how we've, you know, we've interacted and how I've used their inspirations. So. And um, I asked him, would he write a piece for my book? Uh, I did an intro or forward for his, for his synesthesia book. And then I looked back before, when I was waiting for this piece, I thought, God, how, what a silly question that was. Anyway, he wrote the piece for the book and said it worked. Did it? It worked. He the cream and said, Julie, and tasted That's incredible. And on, on this show, there's an amazing, very famous um, neurologist um, called Vijay Ramachandran. And they were interviewing him and he talked, so they were talking about, about synesthesia. So he went onto the beach. I think he's based in, um, I think, University of San Diego. And he took two shapes. One was a big pointy star and the other one was like a puddle. He said, one of these shapes is a kiki and the other one is a booba. Which one's which? So, of course, most of the people said the pointy star was kiki and the big rounded shape was a booba. So when we were looking at the chili show, we were, all I wanted to do, I thought, well, chili is kiki. It's spiky. So we want to put something booba, soft and round, to go with the kiki. So we did sour cream and we did these muffins and stuff to, to, to go with it. Then when, when we first, we did, I did an experiment uh, with uh, Charles Spence at Oxford, we, this is years ago, where people had a range of foods to taste and they rated them as kiki and booba. And on the old Fat Duck website, you could do this, you get a little measuring scale. So for example, Plain chocolate, bitter chocolate was kiki, whereas milk chocolate was booba. So the sharpness isn't just about the texture. So a piece of glass is sharp, but so is lemon juice. If you think about language, a knife is sharp. Someone's personality is sharp. You can have music that's a sharp note. And this crossover from, from all the different sensorial sort of disciplines um, is, is really right at the heart of, of, of what I've been doing for years and find it fascinating how you can write something in sharp letters and it can, make, it can enhance the sharp taste of something, sharp and spiky. Whereas if you looked at you know, a soft caramel sauce, wouldn't be, would be more booba. But if you put vinegar or lemon juice in it, you've made it a bit more kicky. It's amazing, isn't it? And that, yeah, as you're saying it's those things, it's such a universal language that... Of course, you immediately know when you say it's, it's kiki or boo-boo. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's obviously that. Like when you did the chocolate, milk chocolate. Yeah, yeah of course, boo-boo, dark get, chocolate, yeah. Yeah, kiki. Uh, much more, exactly, exactly. And so you could other... affect spice levels with that then. So you could write your Indian menu, for example, if you were doing the file. You could, you could make spikier letters for that, which would then make potentially the curry spiky or spiky bowl in theory, or spoon. Yeah, in theory, yeah, it definitely. In theory, it could, could work. I mean, if you, I know I've done before when you're, uh, I just, oh, just remember this Goodwood Festival of Speed. There was an audience outside stage, four or five hundred odd people, and I did some some of these taste tests with. with I did with some wine, and took about a dozen or so of the audience, um, or as much as our massive wine budget would allow, and <laughs> had they had an old Porsche on the stage, and the, the racing driver whose Porsche it, it was got into the car, and as he revved the engine. It went, as that rev, the rev noise went up. You know, this is where Murray Walker's voice sort of went up. The wine became 
more tannic, more sour, more, it, it became more metallic. And this is just, all, it's just how all the senses can influence our, our taste. I've never tried it with the spikiness of chili. I think, uh, I mean, it makes absolute sense. Although I did it with the Kiki Booba, I wanted something round to balance out the, the, sharp, the sharp Kiki. Oh, the, and the other thing, um, I think it's, which is a really interesting thing with chili is when we share experiences, and I think this is why another thing is kind of men bonding um, and it should work with men and women. It's just that bloats curry nights is a traditional thing where you, if you're going to eat something and then you see somebody that's in pain or they're sweating, they're eating and you laugh and they're laughing and you have it and then they laugh back. Shared discomfort, if you're sharing it, it actually creates greater bonds. And we did this for an um, experiment on the Valentine's show we did where, where people, we put chilies in strawberries and then people were, we are this group of four people that we had met, we did it with Francis um, and this amazing... Um, one of the world's great evolutionary psychologists, Robin Dunbar. So Francis Glone, he'd set up this experiment. Four people sit down at a table, never known, never seen each other before, start chatting about asking each other questions for a couple of minutes, give them some strawberries, ask them, and, and, then, and then there's a form to, to fill in to say how much they bonded. It's a, apparently it's a something, it's another index. But when the groups of people did it with chili and they all shared in the pain, their rate, the rating of their bonding in, increased significantly because they shared, they, they've had a shared experience of pain. And it's, quite, it's really quite interesting. So I, I don't know, you know what role in social bonding Chile has played over the years. And it still feels, of all the ingredients out there, it still feels very exotic, even though it pervades across all of the cooking in Britain now, and we're very, very comfortable with it. There is something about that mix of slight danger and slight uncertainty you're never quite sure what you're going to get and if you can handle it that it brings with it a, a, a slightly exotic aspect to it it never feels mundane when you're having chilies it's not for me anyway it's true i actually felt really bizarre having one of the hottest chilies in the world in reading <laughs> it's really exotic for red no 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 offense to reading <laughs> should be a biscuit in reading it really did uh, yeah it should be a biscuit uh, and i'm talking about and also actually i forgot to say that isn't tear gas is a uh, chili capsaicin is used in tear gas. Oh, well, that's surely the dessert of the fat duck from now on. Just for a couple of those through the window. <laughs> just give him the bill. <laughs> give, give him the bill. A couple of tear gas. Uh, James, obviously, uh, we've been sending you loads of home local on the way. Do you have anything that you wanted to <laughs> well, update been, us on? <laughs> furiously trying to piece together the trigeminal nerve uh, connection with between birds and mammals. And I can't... I can't quite find any evidence to suggest that the birds don't have a trigeminal... I think they do have trigeminal nerve systems, but what they appear to not have is, is a certain receptor makeup. Um, uh, but there's a, they're lacking an amino acid, which apparently is very critical to the sensation of, of capsicum. Sorry, James, I was going to say, do you get the... Is chilli... Is, is, the, is the effect of chilli um, influenced heavily by tri the activation of the trigeminal nerve? Well, it appears to be to do with, well, you, you know nerve about, more about nervous systems than I do, but we, we do have a receptor, TRPV1, 
which is a transient uh, velocity something receptor. I mean, this is literally, I've read this less than 30 seconds ago. So, uh, oh, well, no, it's, about it. it's, it's 100% <laughs> but, hard fact. 100% hard fact. <laughs> but, but so I don't know if that's part of a trigeminal nerve system, but, but obviously we're not alone, apparently, either in the mammalian um, uh, sort of world of, of quite liking chilies. That's what I've been following because obviously Dolphins. we've learned. Dolphins it's not really dolphins. love a file curry. <laughs> Apparently, it's some kind of small rodent they found that Ooh. also likes them, but has trained itself to eat hundreds and hundreds of these chilies. And obviously, it must be a need because it's the only they must have grown up in a chili farm. These poor rodents <laughs> and they taught themselves over generations <laughs> to eat <laughs> the only thing. Maybe they've run out of insects. But yeah. it is possible to overcome that kind of pain. Is is my point? We've taught ourselves because we 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 have that capacity to to do that to embrace sort of pain. But also, while you were talking, I was thinking about what it offers as a, as a food stuff that's unique and obviously is the sensation of a capsicum um if i'm saying that right i'm not sure i am um sensation is that a taste or is that actually another sensorial input which you know is all about this kind of multi-sensorial feeling that we have around flavor and taste experience but it's beyond just a pure taste we're getting something else it's giving us a a, a feeling which we're able to have an emotional connection with i don't well, know I, I, I absolutely enough to do that this is exactly what I mean. What 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 I was saying before. I I I believe, and therefore it's correct. <laughs> I I think uh, everything we do is driven by, and dr- it drives and is in turn driven by our emotions, and our emotions are driven by our actions, and in turn by some of these two different things with two different perspectives. And that's our endocrine system, and from an evolutionary point of view, our endocrine system it can arguably it can be argued that our endocrine system is really all about was mentioned before attraction or repulsion so we're attracted to things that are good for our survival and we're repelled by things that are potentially dangerous so then we can work against we can we can do something about it and that's uh, they're called reward hormones so the endorphins and and and, and, and the similar sort of hormones are they're called reward hormones you work for your reward so when you eat chili you get the pain and your reward hormones come in like a superhero and they fight the nasty chili because your body's under some form of inflammatory attack and it fights it and then you get this rush of of uh, of hormones so you kind of feel like you've had a little mini hero's journey and you've won you've won the hero has beaten the chili the nasty little spiky chili beat, beat the devil with his little you know the, you see the the devil with a big with a fork don't you often on packets of chili beating it down yeah so these reward hormones come flushing through and we feel great and the hairs on the back of our neck stand up and whoa we want some more please look at that Mm. and in this story we have a live happily ever after that that genuinely was a journey to the center of chilies i've learned loads (laughs) of stuff there i had no idea before and some of it some of it might even be true (laughs) so just as a caveat (laughs) yes please go to our website to discover all of our various uh, terms and conditions that nothing we say could be true apply um but for now heston i'm afraid we have run out of time on our chili episode Thank you ever so much, James, for all the facts. And Heston, thank you ever so much for that journey to the centre of Chile's. I find that absolutely fascinating. It is. A, it's a fascinating... Again, it's an example, I think, how much we can learn and discover in looking into our relationship with food in the smallest detail. Wonderful. Until next time, thank you very much. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, James, always, for your encyclopedic facts and figures. And uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.